Hello again. Welcome into another episode of the Lion's Edge podcast. I am your host, as always, Chase Kitty, here on the web content team at BetMGM. Another very exciting week of football ahead of us, particularly on the college side. Of course, I would like to open with a little bit of college football playoff reaction. I know I came on here last year and was pretty upset about the placement of certain SEC schools that shall remain nameless, Alabama, and pretty frustrated with the placement of certain other non-SEC schools. I'd love to give you a rant for the ages here, but I kind of think they got it mostly right. I, I think some skepticism at the top end with Michigan Georgia is warranted based on who they've played or haven't yet played. Ohio State has the best two wins probably of anybody they you know they were a little bit lucky to get that Notre Dame win uh based on how it ended and they were uh, I, I think both Penn State and Ohio State looked offensively anemic at times in that game a couple weeks ago but you know at a certain point you deserve credit for the wins you have and nobody has the wins that the Buckeyes have so I I think they're deserving number one I think if I was doing a ranking right now, I would put them at number one. And I don't think they're the best team. So that that's just kind of the enigma of having to do this exercise. Is, and I think that's all I got for college football playoff talk. I, I really, you know, I thought they did a pretty good job. No real complaints looking at it from 10,000 feet. Of course, you could always quibble about, hey, that team shouldn't be 17th, they should be 19th, but... You know, how serious are are those kinds of, uh, you know, granular details in the grand scheme of things. Uh, at the top end, I think they got pretty much the right teams in the right order. So, of course, we move on, as always, to uh, Thursday Night Football Preview. This week, week nine in the NFL schedule, we're about halfway through the regular season. We've got Titans at Steelers opened Steelers three at some places. It's been uh, Steelers two and a half at BetMGM pretty much the whole time. And now, indeed, the market is consensus two and a half. Pittsburgh's a lousy favorite these days. And Kenny Pickett's playing hurt this week. And Will Levis looked like a major upgrade for the Titans offense last week against the Falcons. And so, unsurprisingly, we saw some early returns market-wide on Tennessee this week because of all those factors. Now there are some, you know, some some mixed signals based on your sports book. Action Network says they're seeing a slight majority of tickets on Tennessee. I can tell you internally at BetMGM, it is the opposite. About fifty-seven percent of tickets are on the Steelers laying the points. Could that be because BetMGM in particular has a strong presence in the Midwest, in Pennsylvania, in Ohio, in Michigan, where there are a lot of concentrated Steelers fans? That's one theory. You can decide for yourself uh, which you know which uh, number you want to play into there, but that is the market breakdown, and that is the BetMGM internal breakdown. No major sp- uh, splits there, difference between ticket count and handle count in terms of the spread market. There is a pretty significant difference in the totals market. Uh, Steelers, Titans right now, the total at BetMGM, 36.5. 58% of the bets are on over 36.5, but 56% of the money is on under 36.5. Uh, 
So like I said, a pretty major difference there. Not really all that surprising given what we understand about basic public action on totals in the 30s for NFL games. Uh, your average barstool better uh, that's just kind of sitting at the bar drinking beer, betting on games, he's going to be betting almost blind betting overs, particularly a number this low. Uh, so not not super surprising to see that a majority of tickets are on the over. I would be betting the under there, if anything. Uh, but you guys know my theory on what to do with low totals like this. I have no real interest in the game. Pittsburgh wins a bunch of games it shouldn't. I wouldn't be all that surprised if Will Levis regressed in a big way in this spot and got dominated by Pittsburgh's defense on the road. That said, Atlanta's defense actually grades out better than Pittsburgh, down for down, according to PFF. But the Steelers just have a way of coming up with those incredible high-leverage plays on defense that totally flip games. And that's very hard to predict for and bet on. I wouldn't call it a lean on Tennessee. Um, I, I, I would actively lean toward not playing this game. It's just how I personally feel. Uh, if I was forced to play this game, though, I would probably bet Tennessee. I would probably even buy the half point and play Titans plus three. Uh, but I, I'm staying away. I will not have any action in this game. I'd probably also stay away from Chiefs Dolphins in Germany too. I think the Denver result is likely a blip, not a trend, so I don't have any macro concerns about Kansas City, at least at this point. I have talked before about how Miami's results against bottom teams are very different than they are against top 10 teams. They play a winning team, they lose, they play you know, a bottom five team, they win by 45. That's just kind of what Miami does. This number is weird, though, and I'm thinking about the logistical challenges for the Kansas City end of being on the road in Denver one Sunday afternoon and then staying on the road, traveling to Germany and playing against a pretty good team like six to six and a half days later. Because you got to think how much farther ahead is Central European time than Mountain Standard time. That's, I want to say, 10 hours. So that is, uh, that is pretty aggressive. It's just a lot of variables here. I, I, you, know, you hear stuff about Mah- well, Mahomes was sick for that Denver game. Uh, the defense is still very good for Kansas City, but the offense looked as bad as it's looked in years, probably since, I don't know, that Titans playoff game maybe from, from way long ago. So I just, I think it's probably a blip. But there's so many variables here that I'm going to stay away. I do like three games this week uh, that I I really really like. You know, I there, there's a couple I, I might flirt with. Um, I, I know I talked last week about how I liked the Colts. After I recorded that episode, I got totally turned around uh, after talking to a pro who broke down, um, you know, some of the Colts back end secondary issues on defense and said, look, you know. Like I was talking to, I, I talked on the show and I talked to him about, you know, Derek Carr on the road and eh, I don't know and playing the number. And he said, I agree with all of the things you're saying in a vacuum. You have to look at what the Colts defense is. Like the Saints are the right play here. The Colts defense is so messed up. And then of course it turns into another shootout. And the Saints end up being the right side. So unfortunately that was a, a bad bet if you listen to this podcast. But by the time I got to pool play on Sunday, I had the Saints in all my pools because this guy turned me around so well. So, um, 
there are a couple of other things that I'm kind of looking at, like maybe playing the Panthers or maybe playing the Saints. Um, but the three that I really like and that, that I want to talk about here, number one is Browns-Cardinals. And the Browns are 8.5 right now, which is wild that I would be thinking about laying 8.5 points with a team that is not good at all at covering margins. But this is Clayton Toon on the road against the Cleveland defense because in a move that I, I my guess is Arizona's planned this all year. Hey, let's let's take Josh Jobs off the scrap heap. We know we have to have a guy play the first half of the season because of Kyler Murray's injury and rehab. So let's take a guy, and I think this is brilliant. Let's take a guy, let's throw him into the starting role. Let's build up his market equity as a trade asset. Let's get him some experience. He's going to look scrappy. We're going to run him around, keep him mobile. And then let's trade him at the deadline, right around the time where Kyler Murray's ready to come back, which is exactly what they did. They shipped him off to Minnesota, who now needs a quarterback after Kirk Cousins exploded his Achilles. Turned something, uh, turned nothing into something. Got a trade asset out of it. Got, got, a, got a draft pick. So now you've got Clayton Toon playing bridge quarterback in anticipation of Kyler Murray coming back next week against the Falcons. This could be just a massacre. And like I said, Cleveland is not the world's greatest team at covering margins, especially when you're talking about eight and a half. That is a bit of a yikes. But in this case, it might not matter. P.J. Walker in a run game on short fields should be able to generate enough points to cover a spread like this i think this game might be super ugly just i mean cleveland's pass rush might destroy this kid so clayton Toon might find himself knocked into the damn shadow realm by the middle of the third quarter of this game i really like the idea of laying eight and a half um, i know the cardinals covered last week against the ravens that was a pretty misleading cover if you're only looking at the box score and, and you know the final outcome that was that was a double-digit game with just minutes to play. So I, I think Arizona here, you know, it's they know that they're they need draft capital, and and they are shifting clearly. I think toward a more draft-focused mode, which is why you do this thing with Dobbs and get Clayton Tune in there, and you don't really worry about the record. I think the Browns' defense is really going to tee off in this spot. It sounds crazy, but I think there's a reason this number is where it is. And so I'm going to lay the big number with 8.5. And, and I would not be surprised if this is like 9.5 by game day. Number two, as much as I like Brown, the Browns play, these next two are two of my favorite bets of the year. Bet number two this week in the NFL, Cowboys plus three at, at the Eagles. I love this game. This number, Eagles minus three, begging you to bet Philadelphia. We're still not that far removed from the Cowboys just getting absolutely annihilated by the 49ers. Philly minus three. It's just, it hasn't, the line is totally frozen, hasn't moved at all, all week. It's just sitting there waiting for you to bet Philly. And that's pretty much what people have done is overwhelmingly the tickets are on the Philadelphia side of things this week. People are expecting the Eagles to hold serve at home. But you know, their back end has looked pretty vulnerable. The, the, the defensive front is still pretty good. 
The back end looks vulnerable. I think Dak Prescott's going to have some success. I think CeeDee Lamb's going to have some success. A lot of tight end receiving yards, maybe. I think the Cowboys' defense might just straight up be better, like all three levels of the defense. I think they're just straight up better than Philadelphia. Um, Like I said, everybody's all over the Eagles this game. The line is not moving at all. In terms of raw market profile, this screams Dallas. Absolutely screams it. The minus three that never moves that everybody is on. And the plus three covers or wins outright. I mean, how many times have we seen this over the years? So this is a multi-unit play for me. And then uh, the other the other play that I really like also will be a multi-unit play. Bengals-Bills. Uh, Bengals are a short favorite here at home, minus two. I know a lot of people are going to blind bet Cincinnati through throughout all of November because of how good they looked the last couple games, particularly that that game last week in San Francisco. For me, it's actually about the other elements of this game. It's not so much about Cincinnati. It's more about Buffalo. And I've talked before about how skeptical I am of this current Week 9 edition of Buffalo. They looked great in September. Lots of dudes on the on the IR the last few weeks. They have looked totally in trouble and defensively overmatched against Mac Jones, Tyrod Taylor, and Baker Mayfield the last three weeks. Now they have to go against the fully operational Death Star that is the healthy Bengals offense. We can bet this game knowing that this matchup has been dominated by Cincinnati over the last couple of years. Regular season games, playoff games, hasn't mattered. It's been Cincinnati against Buffalo. And the number is two. It's not four. It's not six. It's two. Win by a field goal and cover. No way. I just... This is a rare case. I'm actually selling points. Like, I'm, I'm looking to get more aggressive here because I just think the market... It's it's almost like I call it competition bias, where you're like, oh, the Bills, the Bengals, two of the best teams in the AFC, should be a close game. Well, not necessarily. You know, you you don't make a tight point spread just because you're two of the best teams. Like oftentimes, somebody's gonna win by some kind of margin. So I'm actually selling points here. I like Cincinnati alts. I'm grabbing a Cincinnati six. I'm grabbing a Cincinnati nine and a half some pretty rich return there on top of my minus two and then you also got to hit the over here because you know Cincinnati has some issues with its back end specifically with its safeties I have talked ad nauseum about the Bills defensive problems both teams are going to score points here so I like Bengals I like Bengals all I like Bengals team total over I like full game over I like a lot in this game, and I would be I would be hitting parlays. I would be hitting same, uh, same game parlays. I would be putting together uh, Joe Burrow passing yards. I would be putting together mixing rush yards. I would be putting together team totals and full game totals, and just like over, over, over. I would stack up like I would do some square shit in this game. Is what I'm telling you. I, I would I would go stick six legs on a same game parlay and they're all overs and and favorites and and see if I could hit it because I do think this is the game for that kind of approach for a very maximalist throw some shit in the pot kind of approach because I think it's going to be Cincinnati and there's going to be a lot of stats shifting gears to college football very exciting weekend some hugely monumental games there's actually a lot that I like this week 
which I think is good news in terms of getting out of this little rut I've been in for a few weeks. Um, it feels like I, I'm seeing the board well this weekend for the first time in about a month. So uh, let's let's tackle some games here. First of all, let's get it out of the way. Iowa State minus two and a half against Kansas. I, I saw it immediately. I'm sure you probably did too if you're a longtime listener of the show. Unranked favorite against ranked dog. Okay, you can call it a letdown spot for Kansas after the Oklahoma win if you want. But Iowa State is in f- tied for first place right now in the Big 12. You know who's not? Kansas. Kansas is a two-loss conference team. Iowa State's not. So, yeah, I guess technically it's it's a letdown spot, but not really when you think about the stakes of this game and what Iowa State has to play for. Um, so Now, Iowa State, I'd love to tell you, you know, they're maybe a, a Big 12 team to play looking toward the latter month of the conference schedule. Uh, I don't think so when you look at their schedule. So I, I do think this Kansas game is, is important for them to get because they've got probably some losses ahead of them when you look at their schedule. But ultimately, all of that is just kind of background noise and, and context for the game. I see an unranked favorite. I bet an unranked favorite. That's where we're at. While we're in the Big 12, let's talk about the other game I like here. That is Bedlam, Oklahoma State, plus six against Oklahoma. The Sooners beat Texas about a month ago, and they haven't covered a game since. They beat Texas, went on a bye, beat UCF but didn't cover, lost outright to Kansas. Now they go on the road. They play rival Oklahoma State in the Bedlam game. Oklahoma State, one of the hottest teams in college football right now. They look really good. They're also, unfortunately, about to be priced out because now they've cracked the pole. But for a few weeks there, we had a really good run with Oklahoma State. That was one of the few things I was consistently getting right, I think, in the month of October. Uh, I will take Oklahoma State plus the six here. I will take Oklahoma State outright on the money line here. I just think right now they are straight up playing better than Oklahoma is. And I think Oklahoma went from being underrated prior to the Texas game to now very overrated after the Texas game. If there is an idea in the market that Oklahoma is the best team in the conference or is a playoff contender or is a, you know, just like the favorite in the conference at the top of the standings, I would say disabuse yourself of that notion. Uh, it's great that they got the Texas win and they stand a great chance to play in a rematch. I don't think Oklahoma's on that on that level. I don't think they're in that tier. Um, and, and I know Oklahoma fans who feel more strongly about that than I do. So... I, I just think they're being overrated here as a you know potentially best team in the Big 12. I don't think that's who they are. Let's go to the SEC. Very key game in the East between Georgia and Missouri. Probably know where I'm going to come down on this game. Georgia is two and six against the spread. Has zero current. Uh, excuse me. Has zero wins against the current college football playoff ranked teams. I looked it up today. They have only played one top 50 offense by EPA all season, and that was Trent Dilfer's UAB team. So not exactly a real threat to beat Georgia there. Missouri is really going to challenge Georgia with its offense. The Tigers are good, maybe even very good. Easily the toughest matchup Georgia has had thus far this season, and Georgia won't have Brock Bowers to pace the offense uh, and be a third down security blanket when they have to have a play, which is basically how they ended up surviving the Auburn game. 15 and a half, pretty big number. I expect this game to be competitive, so I I think easily take the points. Don't even think about it. 
Uh, and I, I confess, I also sprinkled some money line here as well in case things get super weird, which I think is possible and on the table. Out in the Pac-12, Arizona plus three. I mentioned Oklahoma State's one of the hottest teams in college football right now. Well, so is Arizona. They beat Oregon State. They beat Washington State. They lost to USC in triple overtime, and I think they beat them again if they played on Saturday. Uh, they lost to undefeated Washington by one score. Arizona is good, and they're a short home dog to UCLA here. It actually, excuse me, it actually moved from two and a half to three while I was writing the notes for this show today. So pretty excited to get Arizona here at three instead of two and a half. I think they probably went outright, keep the good vibes going in Tucson, but three gives you a real shot to cover uh, or at least push um, if they do not win outright. I suspect they will. Washington, USC over, also in the Pac-12. You can pretty much name your number here, and, and I'll back your play. Bet MGM has 76 and a half. Great. Bet it. Cool. Uh, I don't care. How about 86 and a half? I'd, I'd bet over there, too. You gave me an exotic on whether or not there'd be 100 points in this game. I'd probably bet that. I think this could be the 2012 West Virginia Baylor game, 70-63. I think there could be 125 points of offense in this game. I think there's a world where that happens. This game could be unhinged. So, yeah, offense. App State, North Carolina last year. There's another good example. I, I think this game might look like those games. It's It might be totally nuts. On the other side, there is Air Force Army with a total of 31.5. You don't probably need me to repeat all the stats about Service Academy Unders for the millionth time. How about this one, though? Uh, since Munkin took the Army job, the Under is 9-0 and in Army's games against Air Force. Give me the Under couple more that i like rice plus 12 against southern methodist but you know the only thing that gives me pause with that one is smu has been smoking people the last month so there's a chance you take the points there with rice and you're dead halfway through the second quarter because smu is up 28 to 3 i also like rutgers plus 18 and a half against ohio state in a week with fewer good numbers rutgers would make the top part of the card i just feel like there's so many good bets this week that that's kind of a that kind of makes the B list. And then finally, let's do uh, another really big game where I have a pretty firm lean here. I will probably have a little bit of money on LSU plus three. You know, I write a, I write a lot about the Heisman and the national championship futures market, which I think regular listeners know. My stuff ranks pretty high up on Google these days. We're talking tens of thousands, sometimes hundreds of thousands of reads per month. Uh, which I'm very proud of. And my analysis is getting to the point with these markets where it's really starting to shape some national talking points because of how many people read the article. I'm really proud of that. It's one of the things I like most about this job, even when I'm sometimes kind of frustrated by the SEO reindeer games that come along with it. But one of the things I've pointed out the last couple weeks in these posts is that LSU might be a two-loss team, but it is still very much alive for all of its goals, for the national championship, for the SEC, for the playoff, all of it. If LSU gets this head-to-head win over Alabama this week, with a pretty cushy remaining schedule, 
there is a very real chance that LSU is playing in the SEC title game. And then Georgia has to run outrun LSU's offense, which to me seems unlikely. Good luck. Um, LSU still has real playoff potential. So I wrote that. And in the span of about five days, LSU went from 100 to 1 to win the title to about 40 to 1. Maybe that's a coincidence, but clearly some betters with some real juice see the path for LSU. And the path completely hinges around beating Alabama. Because if you lose if you lose in Tuscaloosa this weekend, you're dead. You can't overcome a loss down plus the tiebreaker. You can't do it. So somebody somewhere thinks LSU has a very good shot at this game. And I would argue that the point spread says LSU has a shot at this game. Uh, it's a little bit like what we talked about with uh, Cowboys-Eagles. Same, like, flat three number. Even if you don't want to buy into that, the fact that it's three and not, like, ten tells you, hey, this should probably be a pretty competitive game. Uh, And we know, by the way, for what it's worth, Brian Kelly already got one off Saban since he joined the SEC. So we know he can do it. I don't know. LSU's offense is unstoppable. The defense is bad. Can it get enough stops against Alabama's very forgettable offense? That's what the game's going to come down to. Jaden Daniels is great. He might just win the Heisman this weekend. We'll see. Uh, That's all I got for college football and the NFL this week. Uh, Like I said, some really big games, and for once, I I like a lot of the bets on the big games. I'm not going dumpster diving. I'm getting right into some of these big big games, big numbers. Um, So I'm pretty excited to see how it all turns out. We'll talk to you again next week. Good luck with all your bets. Until next week, take it easy.